the most important thing and someone to capture all the actions. Um, I show people a simple column of action, who has to do it, by what date, and if it was done. And then uh, uh, the note taker can actually capture all the actions. And I would say etiquette and meeting behaviour is you, you capture your actions and you take accountability and responsibility for all your personal actions. Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Welcome everyone to Manage Self, Lead Others. I'm your host, Nina Sunday, and this episode, we're turning the mic around. My assistant, Martin Durr, is going to ask me questions about how to ensure clients have effective meetings, how they can manage meetings more effectively. So thank you, Martin, for joining me today. My pleasure. So far away with your first question. All right. So what have you found irritates people about meetings, whether online or in person? You know, whenever I deliver this workshop, we might do a pre-workshop survey or we might just uh, uh, start with an open-ended discussion, maybe adding points to the flip chart. Agenda, agenda, agenda. Either no agenda or an unclear agenda or an agenda that doesn't have the purpose of the meeting, all sorts of issues with the agenda. So there's we do a whole module not only on what makes a good agenda, what's best practice in agendas, but also to take the time to look at a few styles and maybe invent their own fresh uh, agenda structure. So I really find that no clear agenda and not sending the agenda ahead of time. That is such a bugbear with people. They want to know, in in fact, they want to know whether there's any prep they have to do, whether they're going to be talking. They want to know the duration of different sections. Just having a list of agenda items is not enough. It makes sense to add a, a suggested time duration against each agenda item. So that's really the biggest one, no, either absence of agenda or no clear agenda or no agenda that is sent ahead of time. Okay, and have you got any suggestions on how to shorten a meeting? Well, yes, because I find that people tend to default to standard time frames like 60 minutes, 90 minutes. Why not uh, select a time frame that's a little bit off the hour or half hour? So a 25-minute meeting, a 45-minute meeting. And here's the thing. We tend to be faced with a seemingly endless stream of meetings, perhaps in a day, and people need a buffer between meetings to either just recover after the last meeting or make a few notes which uh, of maybe of their task or to-do items 
and really just to uh, to get their get their cells ready for the next meeting. So having a little buffer, and even when you set up meeting times, if there's any way that your organisation can make people's calendars available so that you pick times where they're not going to be going from meeting to meeting to meeting, which just creates fatigue, mental fatigue, cognitive load is what it creates. So 25 minutes, 15 minutes, 45 minutes, why not finish five minutes early? If you have a 45 minute meeting in your head, if you're the team leader or the meeting leader or the chair, aim for 40 minutes. And maybe if there are some extra questions, maybe you can release the others and maybe the person with the extra questions can stay on and you'll, you'll answer those. People will love you if you finish a meeting early. But here's the thing. I get the impression that sometimes people are embarrassed to uh, close a meeting early thinking, well, I said it was 40 minutes, but if uh, 45 minutes, but if I close it at 30, I'll come across as inefficient or unable to anticipate a duration. No one is going to blame you if they get back to their tasks five or 10 minutes early. So feel free. It's, it's, you're not losing face whatsoever. In fact, you, you become their friend. The other thing I wanted to mention about agendas is make sure you add duration for each of the agenda items. Your timer usually on your phone these days, your timer is your friend. And if you do everything by looking at individual time frames for each individual item, that way things shouldn't go over time and in fact aim to finish before time. What are some common agreements teams make to make something work smoother? The answer to this question actually comes from the gripes that people have when they're talking about what irritates them about meetings. It's about the person that's late that has an expectation that they are entitled to a summary of what's gone on before they arrived. And nothing uh, just delays a meeting or slows it down than having to backtrack. Now, of course, doing a backtracking summary in, in mini summary as you go is not a bad idea. So, when Mary spoke about uh, topic A and then Jack came in about topic B, but what I'd like to talk about is topic C, that's actually a good tactic. But to have to say, ah, oh, so just for Mary's benefit, let's, <laughs> let's summarise what we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes, that people realise they're going to that's 10 minutes of their time they're never getting back. So... One of the rules teams make is if a team member is unable to be on time for a meeting, they just have to catch up themselves, maybe later with the, with the meeting summary. And the other gripe around that is if they're unable to attend a meeting in its entirety and a decision has been made, they have to support that decision. They can't say, well, I wasn't there for my opinion. I didn't get to vote. I'm sorry. It's the chair's prerogative to decide that, well, we've made that decision and we're sticking to it. But here's the other uh, litmus test, if you like. Unless there is some significant new information or evidence or uh, an event 
that happens that changes or possibly potentially changes that decision, decisions stick. And that's when when I work with teams to co-create their team written agreements, the ones around meetings always include if a meeting decision has been made, if you weren't, if you're absent, if you weren't there, you support it. And if you were late, you just catch up yourself, whether it be after the meeting or just catch up by what people are saying. There's, there's a meme all over the internet about could this meeting have been an email? And that's a really good question to ask. If you are in a position to call a meeting or even add an agenda item, could it just be a response by email? Does it have to take up everybody's time? So think twice about calling a meeting and if it can be done quickly by email, then that that replaces it. It's it's important that teams create a meeting protocol that they do co-create it and agree on what that protocol should be and then have it recorded somewhere so that new people, as they come on board, you can hand it to them and say, have a look at this. This is how we do meetings here. So it's having a set of guidelines to ensure uh, that things run smoothly. Bonino, what would you say is the ideal agenda structure for a meeting these days? It would make sense to somewhat agree on a best practice template for most uh, meetings, whether it be in person or online. And in my research, and I'm going to put this in the show notes, a link to the Harvard Business Review, uh, how to... uh, compile a an effective agenda I've come across an agenda that to me when I looked at it it felt right it's three columns it's uh the three headings are topic preparation and process and within those columns each horizontal line starts with a numbered question I'm going to put the link uh to this particular template so everybody can see it because out of the all the different ones I researched uh, and and then showed the group they all started revising their own agenda template to more imitate this uh, this uh, this particular model if not everybody has to be there for the entire duration perhaps list depends which way you want to do it whether you want to list by exception uh Everybody except, you know, Mary, Jack and uh, Tom. You could just um, allow people to peel off and leave the meeting if you phase the agenda as at the beginning is everybody, then actually let people leave the meeting. So perhaps at the very end, it's just left with a core group that they may have their own specific items. So it's all about people understanding why they're attending the meeting. So stating an objective. I'm a big believer in putting the objective in the subject line of the email if that's how you're inviting them so that they see the objective of the meeting. And I'm going to encourage you to do to use verbs, doing words. So not decision on, it's to decide whether or to decide on. It's not um, submission, it's to submit, Um, uh, not agreement, to agree because it's more active, it's more visual, and um, I think it actually keeps people focused on the objective. 
So what's a major faux pas when it comes to meeting behavior? I think it comes, it boils down to etiquette and also contribution, a sense of contribution. People that just decide it suits me to have my camera off because I don't feel like having to be seen by everybody. My belief is that you are giving energy to whoever is leading the meeting. And by you closing your camera down, you're taking that energy away. Now, of course, there will be exceptions to the rule. It could be that something is happening in the background that really would be distracting for others. But that should be the exception rather than the rule. This is your job. You are being paid to be there. And you are being paid to turn up. How are you turning up? And are you present when you're turning up? So if you want to be seen and noticed and regarded with respect, then whenever you show up, you'll show up with respect for whoever's leading the meeting and you'll put your best foot forward. You'll bring your best version of yourself, not only to work, but to the meeting. So which roles are crucial when it comes to your meeting? Well, I'm going to put in the show notes a link to Ray Dalio's book, Principles, Life and Work. And he has a whole section on meetings that has inspired me. The whole book inspires me. And he lists a number of uh, roles that I don't believe most people are assigning at the moment. And you can do this whether it be remotely or in person. But of course, you've got a chairperson. Well, I've worked with groups that don't even have a chairperson. It's like it could be that someone has called the meeting Sometimes they don't even lead the meeting. They just allow conversation. You must have a chairperson who keeps people to time and keeps people on track and keeps it pacey. But does the chairperson have to be the same person who called the meeting? If it's always the leader, why not build capability by asking people to, or rotating the chair role and giving people, perhaps purchasing off uh, um of a book bookstore like Amazon or wherever you get your books, a book on how to chair a meeting. And I'm not talking about governance meetings that have really strict protocols, but I'm just thinking about best practice for chairing a meeting and allow people to practice chairing a meeting because it takes assertiveness to be able to keep people on time or to be able to say, I'm sorry, that's not for discussion for this meeting, but let's make a note for a subsequent meeting. It takes assertiveness. It takes guts. You have to be brave. And some, some introverts find it difficult, but, but any introvert could make a fantastic leader if you give them the opportunity to practice chairing a meeting. So number one, rotate the, the role of chairing a meeting. So it's not just the leader who's used to leading. Ray Dalio talks about having someone that actually maps all the topics, like a whiteboard, uh, if you have a whiteboard, just every topic, just maybe listing it as you go, which means if you do go off topic, uh, he talks about having a rabbit hole monitor. Don't go down rabbit holes. Um, and one way to work that out is if the person who's tracking what's being talked about they may or may not identify that that's off topic or you might assign a second person to say, oh, 
excuse me, everybody, I'm the rabbit hole monitor and we're going down a rabbit hole right now. So, <laughs> so and th that way it keeps it light, it keeps it friendly and uh, it's not, if it's not on the agenda, it's not for discussion unless here's a, here's a tactic that maybe a, a, a meeting leader might like to use. Does everybody, who else has that same question? Because sometimes we don't know what the question's going to be until it arises. But if it's just one person with a off topic question, why engage everybody in that discussion when perhaps it wasn't on the agenda and perhaps it's only of interest to one person. But as I say, if it becomes then something that's important to be considered before you make a decision or go to a vote, of course, that's that that then becomes the prerogative of the chair to either veto in either direction with a yes or a no. Now, let's remember that there's a t should be a timekeeper as well. Your timer is your friend. And I believe Ray Dalio in his meetings, in his organisation, he has a, a, a hedge fund um, listed in the top 100 of uh, wealthy wealthiest people in the United States in the Forbes list. Um, he talks about having um, a timekeeper who would also a practice where everybody knows they've only got two minutes to say their piece. Now, one of the things I, I do in my face-to-face -face workshops is I will actually bring some sort of an unusual stick or a pod from a tree. This is a pod from a poinciana tree, which grows where I live in Queensland. I got this from a gallery. It's, it's, it is a talking stick, but it's got feathers and uh, it's been beautifully uh, smoothed down with sandpaper and lacquered and looks beautiful. But whenever I work with a, a team, especially about culture and behaviour, at least one once or twice, uh, maybe at the end of the workshop, I'll say, well, everybody just say a few words about what impressed them the most or what's the new behaviour they're going to take from now on. And it's wonderful to see people hold it like a microphone and you could hear a pin drop because everybody is waiting on the words of wisdom coming out of each and every person. And you also see the introverts who generally don't say boo very much during the workshop say their piece equal to everybody else because introverts can often be very deep thinkers. They just aren't fast talkers. So a timekeeper, oh, the most important thing, and someone to capture all the actions. Um, I show people a simple column of action, who has to do it, by what date, and if it was done. And then a, 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 the note taker can actually capture all the actions. And I would say etiquette and meeting behaviour is you you capture your actions and you take accountability and responsibility for all your personal actions and if you're good you'll also uh you know if you're if you're thinking big picture if you're thinking strategically you'll probably capture everybody's actions but have have one person who's the note taker that captures all the actions look the days of minute takers are a little bit past it depends on your culture and uh but i know with some organizations they might record the meeting. They might distribute a transcript, which 
takes away from uh, someone having to compile a summary of minutes. And also it's a it's an office resource that maybe is a luxury for some organisations, but just be aware that you have to be responsible for your own post-workshop, post-meeting tasks, and there needs to be someone that will capture all the tasks and perhaps issue it as a, as a post-meeting list uh, after the event. So what's behind the phenomenon of online meeting fatigue? You know, I've done a little bit of research on that because it would appear I'm personally more tired after an online meeting or say I've delivered an online workshop than if I've delivered a face-to-face -face workshop. There's something energetic and engaging about face-to-face -face and, and there's more movement. Online is two-dimensional, not three-dimensional. But the other thing is when you are present in a meeting, you are not seeing yourself in person. Whereas when you're on an online meeting, you are one of the participants and you are looking at yourself. So one of the tactics to avoid meeting for online meeting fatigue is to hide your own view. There is uh, sometimes in, depending on the platform that you use, hide self view as an option. And that's a great idea. Don't look at yourself and whatever you do, don't pin yourself or spotlight yourself because Looking at yourself while in a meeting, even if you, well, whether you're speaking or not, or just listening, it increases the cognitive load. And that's what makes you tired, more tired than if it were an in-person meeting. So just think about it. When you're in person, you're only a pair of eyes looking out. You're not really seeing yourself apart from, you're not seeing your face anyway. You don't see your face while you're looking out at the environment. Could you share Ray Dalio's insights? on weighted vote taking? Yes. Now, this is a, an interesting one. And I, I, I get a lot of people nodding in the room when I talk about this one. And how you how you set it up is really up to you. But what is what Ray Dalio says that they have in as part of their culture, the people that have the most information, the most expertise leading up to a decision have more weight Perhaps maybe they have two votes instead of one and others who are just following on and having to get the big picture of how it might impact uh, other aspects, other people in the organisation, they might just have one vote because weighted vote taking says that the people with the most expertise have more power and more weight in the decision making. So think about that and uh, certainly re read up more about it in uh, principles, life and work. Can you explain the RACI framework for meetings? Yes. Well, RACI is an acronym, R-A-C-I, standing for Responsible, Accountable, Consulted, Informed. And it's a framework to clarify uh, roles and responsibilities within a, a project or a task. It comes from project management. And if you define who's responsible and then who's accountable for the outcomes, and then who needs to be consulted and who just needs to be informed. This might be a way to contribute to how do you do weighted vote taking? Because the person responsible and the person accountable would have more weight and more gravitas in the decision and in the outcomes than someone that just needs to be consulted or informed. So it's a framework that enhances communication and accountability in meetings and helps col uh, collaboration because it, it 
it gives due respect to the people that really they've got skin in the game they're the ones who's who are responsible and they're the ones who are accountable and it's can sometimes be too easy for people that are just consulted or informed to go yeah but you haven't done this or yeah but have you thought about that so just be careful of those yes buts and uh, my, I encourage you to often say yes and instead. Well, Martin, you've asked some really good questions today. It's been a great, great opportunity to uh, talk about uh, managing meetings uh, to make them more effective. So thanks for your time today. Thanks for sharing me. My pleasure. All the best. This episode on the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast We've been talking about how to make meetings more effective for improved prep and agendas, being more mindful of meeting etiquette and behaviours, and how to better keep discussion on track, reach agreement in the shortest time, and capture and keep track of all the action items. My name is Nina Sunday. I deliver one-day and half-day workshops, live online and face-to-face, Australia-Pacific, on managing effective meetings. Contact me at brainpowertraining.com.au. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Tell me what you like about the show, submit a topic request, or mention a guest you'd like me to interview, and subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can see the video versions. Until next time, enjoy good things. Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.